0: Good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be here. So this morning, I have been asked to speak on a very riveting uh, topic called suffering. And it is massive, and it was quite a, a, a suffering exercise to pull it, pull it into where I felt the Lord wanted it to go. And I have to say, I probably haven't done anything quite like this before, so do bear with me. Um, I have a lot of things going on in my head, and I just hope that I can filter them to make sense to come out my mouth. But the first thing I thought about was, no, doesn't that look like suffering? (laughs) It's an old song, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. And why have I started with that one? Because often we couple words to go with other things, don't we, like love and marriage there. And so I thought, well, what do we usually couple with Christianity? And not that I could get anything to rhyme, but often we will think Christianity, and none of this is wrong, is love, joy, peace. If we want, look at Christianity, we often think, especially as we're Christians, bring on the blessings, God. And often, we hear such a lot of prosperity. But in reality, if we look at what the Apostle Paul defined Christianity as, Christ crucified. He says, for Jews request a sign. Now why why was that put there? I found out that Jews put a lot of store on power. That was one of their main things that really attracted them. And so they requested a sign, and the Greeks, of course, were very philosophical, and they wanted wisdom. But Paul is saying, we preach Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. So, of course, the Jews wanted Christ to come in power to absolutely obliterate the Romans, The Greeks wanted him to come and be highly intellectual. And it's not that he wasn't, but he didn't just move in that area. And that is why, to the Jews, he was a stumbling block. Well, how could you be a saviour because you're not exercising or or, um, showing any power? And the Greeks, well, you're not not showing that you are the highest philosopher in our world. But to those who are called us. Both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. But when you just hear those words, Christ crucified, and I was thinking about our, our um, culture today, probably if you interviewed a lot of teenagers, maybe even young adults, and you said to them, what does crucified mean? I'm sure that a lot of them really wouldn't have an idea. They might be vague on it because they may have heard it once or twice, but it is nothing that is spoken of in a very regular way. And so in a world of ours today that's materialistic, it's not the most attractive message to be taking out there of hearing someone suffering and being crucified. But let's see why. Paul, in the way that he suffered, look at what he says. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness,' in perils in the sea, among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness. Gosh, that makes it such an attractive doctrine to follow and want to belong, doesn't it? That is the stone-called truth of what was going on. That does follow on, but not right now. So the dictionary definition is nothing that you wouldn't expect. It is the state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. And again, definitely not the most attractive message to take to the world. But why does there have to be suffering? Well, from the moment that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, the ownership of earth transferred to Satan. Which God wanted to retrieve. But God had given Adam authority. And when we give, when the authority is given, it is not for the giver to take back. So if I was going to give Tessa a gift, and let's say it was a beautiful ring, and I really wanted Tessa to have it, and Tessa gave it to her sister, I can't go to the sister and say, hey, give that back to me, because the gift was never given. By me, to her, it was given to Tessa for Tessa to do what she wanted. So, when, when God gave Adam the authority, Adam actually had the authority. He had the authority. The world was his. And when he sinned, that authority was then given to Satan. So, God wanted to retrieve it, obviously, God also initiated a redemptive act to bridge the broken relationship that had now come between Adam and Eve. So we've got two things going on. We've got God wants to reclaim his land back. And we've also got man now has a need of forgiveness. And these are the two things that are intertwined throughout the Bible. But it all still equals war against an enemy. And when there's war, there's casualties. When there's war, there's sufferings. So what did God have to do? So at the moment now, we have the two kingdoms. We've got God and his kingdom in heaven, and we have Satan, no ruler of the earth. And what is God's restorative plan? It was to initiate a covenant. Now the word testament actually means covenant. And covenant, can, there can be different things that will initiate a covenant, and I'm speaking Old Testament now. We read about Jonathan and David, they made a covenant. People can exchange courts, and that signifies a covenant. They can exchange weapons, that signifies a covenant. God initiated a blood or a cut covenant Now I'm gonna just spend a bit of time explaining what this is and I'm going to use, to bring it into modern day terms, I'm gonna use Suzanne because Suzanne is like me, she is an older single lady. If Suzanne and I made a blood covenant between one another, what that would mean is that every asset that I have, Suzanne has access and ownership of and vice versa. It also means every debt that I have, she agrees to take on, and vice versa. It is a really serious, committed thing to go into a covenant with someone. It means that in today's world, that I would have signing rights into her bank account, and vice versa, and she would have rights onto my mortgage, and vice versa. <laughs> <laughs> so it has its its uh pros and cons but it is really serious and and especially when it is it's been agreed upon in blood it means basically that everything that i have and everything that i am is yours and vice versa when uh livingston went to um Africa. They also do covenants there and he learned about this very quickly and it is said that he had 50 cuts up his arms because he went into cut covenant with different tribes and that was the reason he was able to move around and didn't get murdered because when he was in covenant with one tribe another tribe would never ever kill him because he was part of that tribe. It is a really serious thing and so What did God do? So here we have God with Abram. And God said to him, to Abram, bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And then he brought all these to him and cut them in two down the middle and placed each piece opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And it came to pass, when the sun went down and it was dark, that, behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. On the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your descendants I have given this land. It was God's way of starting to get the land back. And, you know, it, is, it was God himself who initiated that, and it was God who walked through it. And what God was saying was, everything that I have is yours. Everything of who I am, you are. That was that was the extent of the covenant there. Now, whether Abraham recognised that or not, I don't know. He obviously had some knowledge of it. But what did Abram have to offer God? Not a lot. Not a lot. Maybe willingness, maybe that would have been about it, but there was really nothing that God needed, and yet God was prepared to pour everything he had and who he was into Abraham, but for his plans and purposes. He said, I've given you this land. So this was the beginning of God's redemptive plan to get the land back. And God had supplied Abraham with all that he needed. But Abraham and the whole family messed things up again, didn't they, when we read through what happened. And trying to regain the land that God had initiated through the establishment of the tabernacle and all the procedures that involved the animal-bird sacrifices as a way of atonement as well. And years later, there was another sacrifice offered as a bridge between God and sinful man, and that was called a better covenant, and it, com- it was completed in suffering. And here we have the, the biblical reason and the biblical of, of the, the new covenant in Hebrews. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also mediator of a better covenant which was established on a better promise. See, God tried it man's way, and man messed up. He tried it with Adam, Adam messed up. He tried it with Abraham, Abraham, who became Abraham. And he and his descendants messed it up. So there had to be a better way, and this was it. The heavenly sanctuary, it's called, but Christ came as high priest of the good things to come with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves that we saw before, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the pur- purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to, to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God and for this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance and that means the life and land that is the new creation as well as regenerated life right and then the greatest suffering of all Pilate said to them, "'What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ?' And they all said to him, "'Let him be crucified.' So then Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. So Pilate, wanting to gratify the crowd, released Barabbas to them, and he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And after three days he rose again. We just cannot begin to imagine. And I heard the most horrific description of what Christ went through. You know, every Easter we hear it, and I really don't like hearing it. it oh, I could never watch the Passion again. But Christ did it, and the Word says that but for the joy set before him. But for the joy set before him. And that was us. And that was knowing that the Father's plan was going to come into being. How awesome is that? N.T. Wright says that we're actually sitting on a cusp because there is the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of this world. I often use the word that we're, we're straddling something. We're straddling two kingdoms. And I often think that is a horrible place to be. It's a place of tension. You know, if you're sort of straddling something, sometimes you feel you're neither in one or the other, or you want to be in one and you're not in the other. But this is where we are. And it's war. There's war between the two. And if we think that we're going to escape from it, um, please wake up. (laughs) We, we don't escape it. We have an enemy. There is a war, and in war, there is suffering, unfortunately. But just expect it. Let's not pretend it's not going to happen. I, I used to try and have to get my head around why there is suffering in the world today. And at one time, the best thing I could sort of come up with was that if I was on a timeline and I know that the kingdom is going to come, that that was in my future. But I knew that parts of the kingdom we could get because God answers prayer, and we do see miracles happening. And it was like, sort of, to me in my way, going forward in time, bringing a bit of, of the, the future kingdom and and depositing it now. Now I think that um, that it's more like the the kingdom is so close to us that it's it's more like. This is the world's kingdom. This is heaven's kingdom. I'm on my timeline, and it's like we can go in and pull it now into here and go and pull it in. And the more that we're doing that, the more of God's kingdom is coming into this kingdom. So what are some of the things that actually cause suffering today? Well, of course, we know that there's natural disasters, and we know that people cause suffering to one another relationships that turn bad or divorces. We know that Satan, we get attacks from the enemy and that that brings evil into the world. We know that suffering can, can come through illness and sometimes that's the, one of the hardest ones, not just for the person who is very ill but for family and friends around. And then we have ourselves. We can, we can bring a lot of suffering on ourselves Needlessly at times. But, you know, they say that, um, for instance, with fear, 85% of all fear is imagined. Only 15% of what you actually fear comes to happen. And and through that 85% of being fearful, you're suffering. And how often do we beat ourselves up when we make a mistake? That's all self-suffering. This is something I came across. Have any of you heard this this term, Ubuntu? Ubuntu? african term i am because you are um i read something of the 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 way that these people deal with people in the village that are maybe not behaving themselves or if there has been great suffering in their lives what they do for two days they sit them in the middle of the village and they say wonderful things about them even if they've done something really bad for two days they tell them all the good things that they've seen that person do, and all the good things that they see in that person, and their philosophy is that they are connecting the person back to their good selves. And I thought, gosh, if we did that in the West, what a difference that would be. I know when I was um, involved with the youth group at my other church, and it was a big, big youth group, we would, every now and again, we would have a night where we had the blessing chair, and I'm sure a lot of you have been involved in that. We put one person in and everyone goes around and says something lovely about them. How wonderful for people's self-esteem really um, helps people overcome any suffering of self-image. So, in the whole world of suffering, one of the questions that I've heard over nearly 30 years of being a Christian that has caused me great suffering is when people say... How can a God of love allow so much suffering in the world? And I've never come up with an answer that I think satisfies. I think about, because becoming a Christian as an adult, I try and put myself into that person's world when they're asking the question. Now, I've got all the Christianese that I could could share, but they don't understand that. And so how do we do it? Well, I have come up with something that satisfies me. You might not want to agree with it, but I've got this today, so you're seeing it. (laughs) And what I've decided to do is say to them, I will answer that, but can I ask you a question in return? What do you think the world would look like if everyone became a genuine Christian? You see, it's people not in connection with Christ that are allowing evil to come into the world. And if everyone in the world was a genuine Christian, yes, Satan at this point still rules and reigns, but there would be so little for him to be able to manoeuvre things around that a lot of the suffering would actually go out of this world. You agree? Good. So, how do we bring the kingdom of God into this present world? I think a lot of it is carrying the fruit of the spirit. In every little and every big gesture that you do, and that is completely contrary to this world's way. and that way you're helping to win the war, we gain groaned back. We get strategic. If people are going to insult us, what do we do? Love them. We don't walk up and slap them back. When we are suffering, though, when we have been taken out, and it does happen, how do we recover? This is one of the most important things. How do we recover? First of all, we all have a different capacity of being, of being able to cope with suffering, Someone may get a cut on their finger and they're in agony. Other people can get a big gash on their leg and they're in agony. One is so much less than the other. But we never, ever minimise anyone who is suffering. Even if, it, even if we can't relate that they are suffering in that, we cannot minimise it. Because we all suffer at different levels, at different times in our lives, and we just need to be really compassionate to people. One of the Psalms says, I think it's somewhere in Psalm 28, I think, 24 or 28, and it says, um, don't sing joyfully over someone who's suffering, it's like rubbing salt into a wound. And I thought, wow, that's very wise. Today, of course, we have the beautiful Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Helper, and To be able to actually stay in the kingdom, in our suffering, what do I mean by that? To pray, to worship regardless, to be thankful, but to get help from others, don't stay alone in it. I was quite heartbroken this week when I read a letter from a missionary. This guy has been over in Asia for three years now. He's had a heart for Asia, for Asia for years and has done short terms, but he's only recently God has allowed him to go and live there, and I know this guy quite well. And I was so sad when in his newsletter he read that he has suffered with anger for years and he's finally getting something done about it. And to meet him, he was the least angry person that I had ever seen. And I was so sh- I thought, am I reading this letter from the right person? But this is what he was saying, and he actually went in to share a little bit about about um, what that was like for him. And I thought, why didn't you go to anybody, you know, and get some help on this? This is tragic. You could have been free from this years ago. So please, you know, even if you feel, oh, I can't share that. It's so pitiful. It's so pathetic. And I'm just a worm, and I need to get over it. No, you need to share it. We're here to lift up each other. The wonderful comforter, he brings that freedom that we need to be able to live the way that God wants us to, and to be able to carry the things that God wants us to carry. Acts 1422, in the Passion, it is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure many trials and persecutions. But when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. And, you know, it's just nothing but the cross. The cross has done it all. The cross says it all. It's the cross. Galatians 6, 1 to 3, "'Live creatively, friends. "'If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him, Saving your critical comments for yourself.'" Hmm, someone knows this well, don't they? "'You might be needing forgiveness before the day is out. "'Stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed, "'to those who are suffering. "'Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. "'If you think you're too good for that, "'you're badly deceived.'" quite a bit about we need to bear each other's burdens and even be quite tuned in to people. You know, sometimes, you know, with people we know quite well, you might go up and say, how are you? And they'll go, yeah, I'm fine. And you think, no, you're not. I just say, really? How well are you? Scale of one to ten? Are you about ten today? Hmm. <laughs> and here is what um, Paul said in response to all those sufferings that he went through. He says, "'For I consider that the sufferings of this present time "'are not worthy to be compared with the glory "'which shall be revealed in us. "'For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits "'for the revealing of the sons of God.' For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of the children of God. The land itself is groaning. It can't wait to be freed from sin either, just like us. We are born again, and we are born to win. When I was first saved in 1990, this was this was one of the, the songs that was really, really popular in those days, and I just thought about that. But we are, we we are blessed that we have been called, separated, destined by God to be able to go into war against that unseen enemy of evil, be equipped be in covenant with God who because of Jesus who was led out for us at this time and sacrificed to enable us to have that amazing redemption forgiveness of sin but also that amazing covenant where God gives us everything of his and what have we got to offer him well we have ourselves don't we We've got our voices, we've got our hands, we've got our feet. Um, Currently I'm doing some reading writing at Onslow College and this is for students who have uh, learning disabilities. When they're having assignments um, I go in and uh, for some of them I am their eyes and their mouth. I am reading the questions on their assignment. Once I've done that or some of them do the reading or I'll do the writing. And so they give me the answers and I write them down. And I, so I am, I am their, their eyes, their mouth, their hands. I get a little bit of experience of what it's like to be like that. But more so when we are with God to be the hands and the feet and the love and everything else that God has given us to love people and fight the devil. I love that line of that song this morning I enter his gates with nothing but thanks Just think about that I enter his gates with nothing else but thanks Everything that maybe is considered important here in the world is not going to be with me when I enter that day because all I will have is a thankful heart Just want to share and I may I may have done this before I don't know In suffering, one of the hardest things is, I think, miscarriages or children who die. It's so hard, so hard to comprehend. And, and, you know, as a Christian especially, so hard. You know, why God, why? And I wasn't a Christian, but our first child died. She arrived a little bit early, and she only lived four hours. And when I became a Christian, uh, that was several years after... I I remember hearing about you could pray and ask God about your children that you had lost, so I did. And I didn't really know what I was asking. I didn't know what to ask, but I just started a conversation. We, We had given her a name. Her name is Katrina. And God immediately took me to heaven, and I was there in front of her, and I saw her. And I knew she knew I was there, but I knew I couldn't talk to her, and it just blew me away because she was 23 years old at that time, which was was her chronicle age here, and she is very much like my oldest, our oldest daughter. Um, for she's slender, she's got the dark hair, um, she's a little bit different in her facial features, but I was just blown away that God would do that, and that she is fine, and that when I get to the gates, she is going to be there. So this is just wonderful. And so as a comfort, if anything ever happens, especially with children where it, it is so hard, but the more we can claim the land back, the less evil there will be in the world. Born again, born to win. And the quote from the Morovians from Germany, these are some young men Men who decided they were going to sell themselves into slavery for the sake of the gospel to be able to share the gospel with slaves. And I think from memory it was Madagascar, Malagaski. And this is what that their cry was, that the lamb may receive... Can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> the reward for his suffering. Cindy Ruikiri wrote a great uh, song on that. It's fantastic. So I thought because we are focusing on suffering, but we want the kingdom to come. The more we can get that kingdom to come, the the less power the enemy has, the less suffering there'll be in the world. So I'm just looking at the Passion Translation of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, dwelling in the heavenly realms, may the glory of your name be the centre on which our lives turn. Manifest your kingdom realm and cause your every purpose to be fulfilled on earth, just as it is fulfilled in heaven. We acknowledge you as our provider of all we need each day. Forgive us the wrongs we have done as we ourselves release forgiveness to those who have wronged us. Rescue us every time we face tribulation and set us free from evil, for you are the king who rules with power and glory forever. And I thought it might be nice if we stand... And just see the Lord's Prayer together today. We'll be Anglican. And because some of us know it in the very old English, I've done this one. Let's pray Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you. Just be seated. So we have a king, and we have a kingdom. And he's our king, and it's our kingdom because of what Christ has done. I'll just close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope that we have in the future, Lord. You're a good God. And God, we know that even when we suffer, you're a good God and that you never want us to. And you are often there and you're the one through your Holy Spirit who's comforting us. And I just pray, God, through your spirit, that anything of the word that has come out today that has touched people, just let it be real to them, I pray, God. Father, I just pray an absolute kingdom blessing on each person here, on every family that is represented. Father, draw us near to you. Lord, those of us that might be feeling a bit flat this morning, I pray you'd raise us up. Those, Lord, that maybe need... uh, A clearer picture of the kingdom and what what it all looks like i pray lord that you would release that thank you that you're an amazing god and you see that you will meet our every need according to your riches and glory in christ jesus father just surround us and fill us with your love today that we may pass it on and bless others and reclaim back the 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 territory the enemy has stolen just bless you god we love you we love you so much